Good morning, everyone. I didn't know you guys were here. It was so dark. So we got a uh, Christmas ornament this year. And uh, how many of you guys do like a Christmas ornament every year? Thank you for that one hand. That was like a that was like a courtesy hand. He probably doesn't even do it. He was just making me feel better. Anyways, clearly we uh, really unpopular. Anyway, uh, so we do a Christmas ornament every year, and we picked out probably the most expensive ornament ever because of this movie. But um, it's pretty cool. And um, kind of the, the whole idea of the movie, is we watch it every Christmas Eve, uh, super fun movie, Polar Express, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's really cute, and uh, Tom Hanks does a great job. But the whole idea is that the bell, um, it only rings if you believe in Santa. And uh, if you don't believe, then when you go like this, then you can't hear anything. It's, it's like it's not a bell, it's empty. Um, and so that's why in the movie... He was like, I believe, because before that time, he couldn't hear anything, and then he finally believes, and then it started, started ringing. And then later on in the movie, that's almost the end, but at the very end, um, he loses the deal because uh, it got lost in his pocket, and then he ends up getting it as a present for Santa. I totally ruined the movie, so you don't bother watching it anymore because I gave you the whole punchline. But nevertheless, uh, he gets the, this as a Christmas present, and he goes like this, and, and, it's, and he can hear it once again. And then uh, it, it's talking about as he gets older that um, the, the bell kind of waned and um, adults really can't hear it. Only kids can. Because believing in something that you can't see uh, is for kids, not really for adults. Because we're smart, smarter than that. We're smarter than to believe in something that we can't see. Um, and so obviously we're not talking about Santa, but we are going to talk about one of the most profound gifts uh, of Christmas. And obviously baby Jesus is the gift, but, but, but outside of baby Jesus, I want to talk about a gift that's really profound that maybe you haven't thought of, bef thought of before. But before we get there, um, I was thinking about Mary and Joseph in this process of this idea of believing. And I just have a simple question for you. Who had it? the hardest, Mary or Joseph. And so I just want to pull the audience for a minute. And guys, I just want to warn you, before you make your decision, consider the consequence of your decision uh, of, of, of who had it worse. So um, who in the room believes or thinks that Mary had it the most difficult, the hardest? Come on, give your hands for, for Mary. Awesome. Okay, no right or wrong answers here. Uh, and then as a show of hands, who do you think, who thinks that, that Joseph kind of had it the most difficult? And, and, and who in the room is, is, is scared to raise your hand because you don't want to get it wrong? Okay. <laughs> I saw a few hands. <laughs> but um, as we kind of consider, consider that question, we're going to read, uh, we're going to read Matthew chapter one and verse 18 together, and it'll be up on the screen. Oh, that was close. Um, familiar passage, and we're going to kind of dive into it and dissect it a little bit. It starts in verse 18 and says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. Uh-oh. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break off the engagement quietly. Super noble. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel commanded and took Mary as his wife, and Joseph named him Jesus. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the gift that you gave us when you came. It's a gift that we possess, we walk with every day. And Lord, I pray once again that you would open up our eyes to see you, Jesus. Thank you for this season that uniquely reminds us of who you are and what you came to accomplish. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, kind of one of the most profound gifts, and it's the gift of faith. Today, I want to talk to you about believing. What do you believe? It's a profound question. See, Mary, um, she no doubt had it difficult. But one of the aspects about Mary that was different than Joseph was that Mary knew that this was an immaculate conception because Mary knew her body. She knew that she hadn't been unfaithful. She knew that she hadn't uh, come together with Joseph or any other man. And so there's really no other explanation. I mean, you're having a baby and it's unexplainable. And so no doubt she, she, she had to walk out an incredible uh, journey of faith. But I want us to put our, our feet in, in Joseph's shoes just for a moment and consider Joseph didn't know. In fact, Joseph would never really know. Whose baby is this? I mean, really, whose baby is this? Have you ever heard of such a thing? I mean, can you imagine when he first got the news how devastated he was, right? I mean, you were unfaithful to me and and we were engaged. I know I haven't haven't come together with you. As the Bible says, I haven't known you. And so no doubt he was, he was looking around at maybe like some of Mary's friends, you know, like, I see you over there, Simeon. You and Mary have been kind of getting, you know, friendly. And what about you, uh, Lucas? And, uh, you know, whoever else maybe was around the neighbor. There wasn't very many people in the, in the village. So guys... I mean, if you were in Joseph's shoes, you were like kind of suspicious. Even when baby, was, baby Jesus was born, I mean, at some point, Joseph had weak moments where he's like, man, I want to believe. This, this, is, this is profound, but I don't know for sure. And so Joseph had a journey, didn't he? You ever thought about that? Joseph had quite a journey. And so the angel comes to Joseph and he says, don't be afraid. Did you know that that was the most, uh, that was the most repeated phrase in the entire Bible? 
Don't be afraid. The angel comes and says, don't be afraid to marry her. Don't be afraid to continue with your plans because this truly is what Mary says it is. She has been faithful to you, so don't be afraid. And why did he use those words? Well, and it'll be up on the screen, because faith is the antithesis of fear, or fear is the antithesis of faith, meaning they're opposites. Now, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear, but in terms of the opposite of faith, if we're looking at faith today as the gift that God gave us, the opportunity to have faith in something beyond ourselves, the, the, the opposite of faith is fear. And so that's the choice that we have in our lives is to walk in faith like you never really know. I mean, the most basic things, like, is God real? I mean, don't raise your hand, but have you ever struggled with believing that? And like all that we're doing here, have you ever thought in your mind, like, maybe this is a cult? I mean, all my friends at work think I'm crazy. Maybe I am crazy. I don't know. So we have faith. But the opposite of that is fear. And we talk about fear a little bit because fear is really profound. And the Bible talks about it a lot. The most quoted phrase in all the Bible, don't be afraid or do not fear. Because fear is the kryptonite to faith. So this Christmas, we're reminded of a choice that each of us have. As fear and doubt and worry come knocking, will you put your, what will you put your faith in? And the first idea, as we dive into this idea of faith around the Christmas story, and, and as you and I kind of look at our life, and we go, okay, what, what is it that we believe? And what areas have we lost maybe some ground in terms of, of the faith that we have because this world, man, it comes knocking with fear and anxiety and worry and doubt and insecurity every day. And Joseph had this same problem. So the first idea is this, faith requires spiritual sight. <laughs> to see something beyond what you can see. To see something beyond what you can tangibly taste and touch and see Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays this. It's a famous prayer, but he, he prays for the saints and he says, I, I pray that, that their eyes would be opened to see. The eyes of their heart or their eyes of their understanding, which means that we have eyes that are different than just these eyes. They're spiritual eyes. Their ability to see something that you can't see. How many know that, that we believe, again, by faith, that there is something going on outside of what you can see? There's a spiritual realm, there's a dimension, there's angels, there's demons, there's spiritual warfare, there's heaven and hell, there's a whole dynamic here, there's a war, the Bible says, that's going on, there's, there's uh, angels that are, have an assignment to protect you, the Holy Spirit hovering about among us, not only inside of us, but he's here. Like there is a whole thing here. And Paul says, I pray that they would have eyes to see and maybe you'll never see it with these eyes. 
Maybe you'll never have an opportunity like Jacob had to actually physically wrestle with an angel. Maybe, maybe we'll not have those moments, but that you would see something that's so real. In fact, it's more real than what we can actually see. But it's with our spiritual eyes. So Joseph, what Joseph saw um, was that his fiance got pregnant. That's what he saw with his physical eyes. Like, what's going on here? Well, you're engaged and everything was going great. And then she got pregnant. I mean, at face value, that's the, that's the narrative. Yikes. Now, unfortunately, today, today's day and age, that's like very believable, right? Like, unfortunate. And, and hopefully none of us would have family or friends that would, would face that. But, but very believable. And so here he was. I guess I have a simple question for us today. What are you looking at? Like what's real? Like dynamics in your life? Fear, anxiety, insecurity that you have about your own situation? Dynamics with family? Dynamics with a spouse? Like, what is it that you're actually looking at and facing every day? Because the message of faith is not to ignore reality. And we're going to get to that. But like, what, what are you looking at? Because that's what, that's what Joseph was looking at. My wife's pregnant. It's not a joke. And it's, it's, it's not imagined. She's pregnant. She's going to have a baby. So what am I going to do with that? And Joseph had a dream, and in this dream, God came and he, he caused, he, he, for, he forced Joseph to look with eyes that were shut on the physical because he was asleep. And that's the beautiful thing about dreams, is that when you're dreaming, the, the, the eyes that, that lie to you are closed. Sometimes it's, it's, it's easiest to really see what's going on, when you close your eyes, right? When you, when you close the distractions and you kind of go, okay, what's, what's going on here? And so, and so God came to him and he opened up his spiritual eyes just for a moment. Let me show you what's really going on. When was the last time you, you did that? Okay, God, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to shut out the world. Heaven forbid I'm going to shut out the news. I'm going to close my eyes and, and I'm going to ask you, God, show me what's going on here. Not what my neighbor thinks. Not what my family thinks. Not what that voice inside of me that's filled with fear and worry, not what that voice is saying, but God, would you open up my eyes to see what is going on here in the spiritual realm? Because I want to have faith to believe. And in order to have faith, you have to see something different. You have to see something different. I have to see something different. Not your neighbor, not your pastor, not your friend. It doesn't matter if they can have, how many of you know, they can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't believe it, it's no help for you. It's no help. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And, and I honestly, and you guys are probably going to be like, Well, you're a pastor, you should have known this. But um, this phrase this is, is, is repeated a crazy amount of times in the Bible. And it's worded slightly different, but in, in, it first came up in, in Habakkuk, and it says that the righteous will walk by faith. And then Hebrews, Paul quotes it. He says, yeah, this is a quote. He doesn't say it's from Habakkuk, but that's where it's from. And then Galatians says it again. Romans says it again. Second Corinthians is all Paul. This is Paul's like favorite phrase. But he says, for we walk by faith and not by sight, that the righteous will walk by faith. Five times, four of them in the New Testament, pretty important idea that, that, that we walk by faith. And this walk is not like a decision you made when you came to church and you accepted Christ and you raised your hands that I believe. Like that's awesome and that was profound. But he's talking about a walk, a daily living that I'm going to live by faith and not by what I see. I know it sounds like really Christian. It's a lot easier said than done in the actual real world out, out there on Monday morning. I'm giving you Monday morning's reality to get up and go, all right, like I'm going to live by something other than what I can see and what my neighbor's say, seeing and what CNN's telling me or Fox News or whatever the heck you watch. Like what all of the realities of, of everything that's closing in on us, I mean, Gosh, just, you know, social media or, or news, I mean, just for five seconds and between the political climate and, and the, 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 the COVID and like all these things, wherever you land on all of that, the reality is it's pretty easy to feel pretty claustrophobic quick. Like the walls are kind of falling in. We're, I mean, we're headed for a cliff. What are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get anxious really fast. We're going to start worrying. We're going to start making decisions based on fear. We're going to get all worked up. And we're going to go out and start buying gold bars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe silver bars are cheaper. Stuff them under your mattress. But it's just easy. And, and, and the message of faith isn't to ignore all that because there's, there's, there's more happening here. And so I'm just going to ignore what I really see because I'm going to see past all of that and just say, God, you're so good. Have you ever met anybody that's so like heavenly minded that they're no earthly good? They're just so out there on the clouds that you're just like, no, seriously. I had a buddy um, that, that, that was like that and he, and he so believed in healing that he would never go to the doctor even like if he broke his arm or something. And I'm like, dude, I, I get that Jesus is our healer, but your arm is broke. And you kind of need to go get it fixed. You know what I'm saying? And I think the doctor can, the Lord God could use the doctor and a cast on your arm to really help you out. But again, it's not let's go crawl in a hole and, and forget that the world's happening. There's a different answer to that, but the answer isn't choosing fear. But fear is the kryptonite of faith. And so we have to choose. God, I want to see something different. And this is the invitation um, to the table. And, and we've talked about this for the last six months because we read a book about it, uh, that, that, that our shepherd has a table. And it says in Psalm 23, in the presence of our enemies, he's prepared a table. 
And what, why, why we love that is because it specifically says in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of the realities going on, not to ignore the realities, but in the middle of them, I've put a table. And at this table, there's no fear, worry, anxiety because I've got it. I've taken care of it and I have what you need. And so it's an invitation to sit down at the table in the presence of our enemies. And this is not just faith to believe as you face mountains in your life that are obstacles, although this is true. But I'm also talking about who you are. I'm talking about the obstacles in your mind about your life about your own limitations, about your own insecurities, about your own failures, about the places you feel stuck. Those are also the places where the enemy comes and he goes, yeah, you should live in fear because you're kind of a train wreck. I mean, you put on a really good show for everybody at church, but we really know what it's like to be you. And so, man, you should be worried. You guys are like, is he talking to me? <laughs> and, and, and the shepherd prepares a table for you in the middle of that enemy. He says, come sit with me. And, and you need to hear a different voice. You need to hear a different message than the one that you've been listening to. Don't miss this. It's impossible to possess the land without faith. It's impossible to possess the land without faith. And again, for those of you maybe who you know, aren't, haven't been in church a lot and don't get the, the, the context, the context is the children of Israel. They came out of, out of Egypt in slavery and they are slaves in their mind just like us. That's why it's such a great parallel because we all, we get stuck. We get stuck still thinking we're slaves even though we're free. And so we're like, let's just go back to Israel because I'm a slave anyway in my mind and in my heart. I'm not free. I'm not victorious. And so they're wandering the desert and they come to the, the, the amazing promised land that God's promised for them. And he'd send in 12 slept eyes. You, you know the story. 10 come back and they go, no way. Were they lying about what they saw? No. They, they were pretty accurate, actually. They were eyes wide open. There's giants in the land. And yeah, it's amazing, but who are we? They're the epitome of, they just lived by what they could see. Though God had done so many miracles, they just couldn't get there. And so, and so for you, in your own personal life, in terms of who you are and the thing that God's called you to, and the things that you're facing, you can't possess what God has already paid for without faith. Faith is the doorway. Unfortunately, there's a guard to that doorway. And his name is fear. And so until you tackle that enemy of fear and say, no, I'm not going to live by fear. Why? Because I'm going to live by faith. Because just like fear is the, is the kryptonite for faith, faith is the kryptonite for fear. So when we choose to say, no, sorry, I'm not going to live by fear, it's not enough to just say, I'm not going to be fearful. You have to, you have to replace it with, no, I, I actually am going to choose to see something that I know is tr more true than my, my actual reality. I'm going to choose to live by faith. And we're going to talk about how to make that 
happened. See, Jesus went to war for you and he conquered your greatest giants and he paved the way for you to walk in victory. The danger of fear is that it glorifies or magnifies your giants. You know, and, and the Bible talks about spiritual warfare and he says that the weapons of our warfare are, are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and high things that exalt themselves above the name of God. Don't, don't, don't miss me here. Follow me here. Those high things are the exaggerated things that fear has exaggerated in your life. There are things that you're facing internally about how you see yourself and externally about how you see others in your circumstance that are way bigger in your mind than they really are. Because that's what fear does. It takes a magnifying glass and goes, you should be afraid. There's no way that you can do the things that God's called you to because look, and it magnifies and it's right in your face. And all of a sudden, worry, anxiety, and fear come about and this is where we say, no, I'm going to cast those high things down. And I'm going to walk by faith. This is really good preaching, guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> number two. So, so we got to see something different. But then we have to, uh, it says, uh, I put this down. Faith is activated by the spoken word. This is so powerful because it's not enough to just say, okay, I get it. I don't want to walk in, in fear. And so I'm going to choose Faith, there's a pathway to get there, and this is the pathway. Faith is activated by the spoken word. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I love this about Joseph, and I had never seen it before. So here's Joseph's reality. My, my wife got pregnant, and so, so the angel says, don't be afraid. And then he says, okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm asking you to walk in faith, and so here's how you're going to get there. Mary has a job, and you have a job. Mary's job, she's going to have a baby. Your, your job, Joseph, you get to name the baby. I'd never seen it before. And it actually, it says it twice in that one little passage. And he says, and then he decided to follow what the angel said, and he named Jesus. Mary, it would be so easy for Joseph to just like, okay, I'm going to go along for the ride, but this is kind of Mary's thing. Like it was between Mary and the angel and God like put the seed in Mary. And so I'm going to just go along for the ride because us guys, let's be honest, left to ourselves, we're pretty passive people, especially spiritually. And so, you know what? It's fine. Mary, you're the spiritual giant. Jesus chose you. And so I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to leave you but I'm not going to get involved either because I don't know. I don't know. I want to believe just like you want to believe that everything we're doing here is like significant and, and, and meaningful and the things that you want to believe about yourself and God. But like, I don't know. It's okay, guys. It's okay to be like, I, I don't know sometimes. Just don't stay there. So Joseph, he's like, I don't know. And, 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 and here's the angel. Joseph, you need to get in the game. I get it that you're stuck. I get it that you're like, I don't know. I get it that you just want to go for long for the ride. But, but that, that's not what produces faith. You need to hear yourself say, this is Jesus. 
That's his name. Because that's what the angel said. And I don't know, it may have been bad pizza when I was dreaming and I had this whole thing, but I'm going to choose to believe something else and, and I need to hear myself say it. That's Jesus. That's my, that's my son born from God, the savior of the world. His name is Jesus. What do you need to hear yourself say? Because it's not enough to think it. Faith doesn't happen that way. Faith will not be built in you because you thought some things. It just won't. Faith comes by hearing, which is why it's so powerful who you listen to and what you watch and fill your mind with because it's building in you a belief system. Whether you want it to or not, it just is, which is why the word of God is so powerful. When we're saying the word and we're reading the word and we're getting into it, it's building in us faith to believe. And it's so powerful. Faith is not passive. You need to speak it because there is a message coming at you every single day. And you know what this message is saying? It'll be up on the screen. This is what the message is saying. Did God really say that's what the snake said to Adam and Eve? Really? I'm not, listen, Adam and Eve, I'm not going to tell you that God's not real because you wouldn't believe me. So I'm going to go at it a different way. Did you hear him correctly? Is he really good? Is this whole thing here, like, is it really for your good? Is that really the path? I don't know, Eve. I think you should reconsider. The enemy will always cause you to second guess what you think you know or believe. How do you know that the enemy's sitting at your table? Worry, fear, anxiety, condemnation. Those are calling cards of the enemy that in the middle of your enemies, Surrounded by your enemies, God set you up an incredible table so he, you can hear another voice. But guess what? There's also another voice that loves to come to the table and whisper to you, did he really say that? I think you got this wrong. I know the preacher thinks this and I know your family, but let's, let's be honest when you look at yourself in the mirror and what's really going on here. You don't deserve this. You're not worthy. They don't really like you. Why do you think they don't ever text you? Why don't you think you always get left out of the text chain? When was the last time he invited you over? What was like your spouse? Like, what, why do you think that this or that, right? It's just this, all this constant noise. And in order to beat that back, we just have to say, you know what? There's something different here going on than what I can see. My eyes are lying to me. And so I'm going to close those and I'm going to say, God, what's really going on here? And I'm going to tear down those high things. Listen, this is marriage 101. Like your spouse is not nearly as bad as sometimes your thoughts make them out to be, but they're high things, right? They're high things that have exalted themselves, right? And the spouse is like, thank you, Shane. Oh, come on. <laughs> But, but they're exalted things, and all of a sudden, we've created this mess. And so by faith, we tear those things down, and we begin to speak a different message. And we need to speak the message we're hearing from our shepherd, that I'm for you. 
You're worthy. You're valuable. You have a purpose and a destiny. And the people around you, they're not against you. You're not a victim. One of the most profound things that we, that we begin to confess is who God is. Because it's easy to get so locked in your circumstance that that's the only thing you, you talk about and focus on. But how many of you know that when we go from here to here in our focus, we see differently. And we see this with Peter. When Peter had that moment with Jesus where Jesus says, hey, who do, who do men say that I am? And Peter's like, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He made a declaration about who God is. And it's so profound in your life and in my life when we choose to just begin to declare, God, I, I believe that you're good. I believe you're for me. I believe you're in control. I believe that all the things happening in this world haven't caught you by surprise, that you're not losing, losing your grip on our world, that like you're good, you're in control, and I can trust you. And here's what happened to Peter. As soon as he made that commission, what happened? Jesus said, you know what? You're right. And now let me tell you who you are. You're not Simon, the wishy-washy idiot. You're Peter. You know what happens is that when we declare who God is, he shows us who we are. It's just this profound thing. It's counterintuitive. Get your focus off of you, off your problems that are all magnified because of fear. Focus on God and how he, good he is. And he instantly sends a message that is building your faith about who he's created you to be and who he is in your life and how he's working in all of your circumstances and lastly, our step of faith moves the hand of God. I love this because Joseph, so Joseph's like, I don't know about all this, but I'm going to go for it. And then the, and the angel says, I need you to declare some things. I need you to say it with your mouth. Like this is, this is your son, Jesus. And then as soon as it says he decided to marry her, and he actually did. Now they didn't come together and consummate commit their marriage until after baby Jesus was born. But they actually got married because that's what the angel said. Don't be afraid. And so he went ahead and did that. So now we know the story. We know how it all works out. But they didn't know the story. They were living the story. And so just watch this. He gets married. What a step of faith. I mean, imagine what the neighbors were saying. Gracious. I mean, this is an incredible story unfolding. He decides to get married. And what happens next? The government decides that they got to pay taxes and go to Bethlehem, which is totally random. Long trip on a donkey, just about the time when Mary was ready to give birth, right? We know the story, but again, it just happened to them. They didn't plan it. So Joseph takes the step of faith and then these circumstances come about and get him to Bethlehem. Why is that significant? Why is that significant for Joseph's faith? Well, because it was fulfilling a prophecy uh, 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 of Micah chapter five, verse two, 
that, that the Savior, the shepherd of his people would be born in Bethlehem? I mean, can you imagine if you're Joseph and you find yourself in Bethlehem and all of a sudden Mary gives birth and then you're just like reeling about what just took place. You're like, wait a minute, there was a decree and we were forced to come here and then Mary happens to give birth and then all of a sudden I'm remembering Micah chapter 5 that prophesies that this will happen. What? See, when we take a step of faith, God meets us, doesn't he? You have testimonies of that where, where you're just like, I don't know, God, and, and, and a lot of areas of your life where you're just like, okay, God, I'm going to take a step and boom, God meets you, doesn't he? See, I told you, I told you, but I need you to take a step of faith. See, the difference between belief and faith is when you're cliff jumping, which you've never been cliff jumping, you should try it because it's awesome and it's faith building. But when you're cliff jumping and you're on the edge, belief is I'm going to be fine. But you can believe something and not jump. Faith happens eh, about six inches beyond the cliff, right? That's the difference, but this much. Belief and faith, it's about that much difference. I believe it, but I'd rather not jump. <laughs> the Bible says that even the demons believe. But your faith is, okay, God, whew, I'm done. I'm done living up here. Because I've seen where this has gotten me. And you know what? This, this ledge, it's just a magnification of all my fears. And I'm just going to choose. I'm not going to live here anymore. And so tomorrow morning, on Monday morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to take a step yeah. of faith. Yeah. And I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe beyond what I can see with my eyes. God, you're good. God, you're faithful. You're moving in my life, in my family's lives. I'm going to start speaking that over my kids over my wife, over my city. God, I thank you that you are good and you are moving. You're caring for me. I'm not the victim. I'm not in lack. God, that you're on the throne and I can trust you. And so even in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, you've prepared a table for me and I'm going to choose to sit down and hear the message of faith from my shepherd. And then I'm going to be a dispenser of that faith every place I go. The Bible talks about faith as a mustard seed. It's just a tiny little seed, seemingly nothing. But it grows into the biggest tree. And so in addition to your life and believing and walking in faith for you, I want you to be a dispenser of the mustard seed by speaking life into people. I believe in you. Here's a mustard seed. And you may have moments with people that seem totally insignificant, especially, I know this happens with kids, totally insignificant, like I didn't make any good. But if you're faithful to plant those seeds, even though they seem small, God will use them in people's lives to grow into humongous trees of faith as we believe him. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the Christmas story that reminds us, God, that we can have faith in something that's bigger and more significant and filled with life than we can see and what this world is serving up. And so we choose to be people of light 
citizens of heaven with a vision and a perspective that goes far beyond this world. And now I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage to be dispensers of that mustard seed of faith in people's lives all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you.